Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, WrestleMania 15. It doesn't get any bigger or more exciting than this. Tonight, heroes will be made and careers and lives shaped forever. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the granddaddy of them all, WrestleMania 15. We are live at a sold-out First Union Center in Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. But tonight, there will be no love in the air. It's the most anticipated match in the history of the World Wrestling Federation, Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock. Rock going for it again. Rock get him out, Rock, get him out. Off some of the elbows. Welcome to WrestleMania Rewind, part of the Mackie and Judd podcast. Phil Mackie, Declan Goff, a couple of wrestling nerds, and we are making our way through almost all of the WrestleManias. We're going to take them up into the late 20s and then circle back on some other pay-per-views. But we have made it, Declan Goff, as you heard, to WrestleMania 15. Oh, yeah. March 28th, 1999 at the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, 20,276 in attendance, and here's the setup. Stone Cold Steve Austin has been the face of the company for a little over a year now. The the lead-up to WrestleMania 14 and then all throughout 1999, Stone Cold was the face of the company, and now he's up against evil Mr. McMahon's corporation stable of bad guys, led by WWF champion The Rock. Also, Degeneration X has been running roughshod over the WWF for about a year and a half at this point. They're uh, one year into their second iteration post Shawn Michaels, and they've all kind of migrated off to singles competition at this point, but DX was a huge theme throughout WrestleMania Rewind. So let's tee it up. What was your favorite part about WrestleMania 15? I just love the pomp and circumstance and the ridiculousness of the Attitude Era. That's uh, everything kind of culminates right here. Like the the, the mania peak car- Attitude Era. It here, is. Man. It's peak Attitude Era. You have Stone Cold and The Rock. I mean, that's the pinnacle. Those are your number figureheads one and two in the Attitude Era of wrestling at, at, on, on the main event card. 
And then you have DX, who is still great. And even though they, they eventually kind of break up around here, this is where things kind of split. You still have Kane. You still have Triple H. You have um, you have other guys like D'Lo Brown and the Godfather and Hardcore Holly. Like, it's it's peak wrestling in 1999 in the Attitude Era, yeah. even though the card itself, like you can pick, you can pick some holes in it. Definitely, just in in the tactical wrestling part. But you were, I was entertained for the majority of the two and a half hours. It's great. I was too, and I, I would say so. And we're gonna get to uh, loyal listener Michael McGivern and fellow wrestling nerd. He he gave us some great behind the scenes anecdotes for his his notes of the week here. But the thing that really stands out is they've kind of moved away. They've certainly moved away from like the cartoonish characters. The big boss man is part of this WrestleMania, but he's not the cartoonish yeah. police uniform guy with the nightstick. Well, he still has the nightstick, but it's more of a realistic version of big boss man. Um, like they've they've moved into just like actual character or actual people playing characters instead of like a Mountie. Yeah. And <laughs> like, you know, like Hulk Hogan wearing yellow and stuff. Right. And so they've moved into the reality era, and and they've also become much more of a soap opera than before. And even throughout this, the main themes throughout this were not as much. It's not like a sixty-minute Iron Man match from a few years before. It was more about the drama of the corporation versus Stone Cold, mm-hmm. or the drama of Degeneration X teasing a breakup, right? And all the drama that comes in and out. And so I think I think with all of that. My favorite part about this was probably the DX drama and Triple H turning on X-Pac. It's like it's something that would never happen at WrestleMania right. ordinarily, at least in my mind. I, I think agree. it's something that would happen on like an episode of Raw or a different pay-per-view to set up a WrestleMania match. But it was this huge storyline. So so uh, X, so the different singles matches for DX, Triple H against Kane, you had badass Billy Gunn walks in. Um, as the hardcore champion, I think he yes. walked in as a hardcore champion and fought Al Snow and Hardcore Holly. You had Road Dog in an Intercontinental Championship four way match against Val Venus, Goldust, and Shamrock. So you had all these guys in their separate <laughs> matches, and X Pac against Shane McMahon. So beforehand, Triple H against Kane. Pete Rose comes out in a chicken suit <laughs> for the second year in a row. Pete Rose gets tombstoned by Kane <laughs> to an amazing pop. Um, and, and then you had the storyline of China who had turned on triple H in January. She comes out, turns on Kane right. in this match. So you have, you have that turn and then they do the interview in the back and it's like China's back. DX is back at full strength and X-Pac's going to go out and kick Shane McMahon's ass. And here we go. And X-Pac gets into his match. And if you've got audio of this, you go ahead and fire away. China's come home. And DX is one big house again, stronger than it's ever been. Shane, I don't care if you're the boss's son. You better bring everything you got tonight, because X-Pac is handing you your shiny corporate ass. <laughs> DX is whole, and there ain't nothing stronger. Shane, get ready for some pain. And like 15 minutes later, Triple H comes out. You think he's going to come out and help X-Pac. Right. Instead... He pedigrees him oh. and kicks X-Pac out of Degeneration X. Dude, I would also, I, I told Mike McGivern this on Twitter, I would rock that X-Pac DX singlet as like a normal costume. That all <laughs> DX, the all, the all green and black DX singlet, I would totally rock it. He he goes to red and black after this, and at, so he's no longer in DX. He starts a little uh, tag team with Kane. And then I actually, I do think he ends up joining the corporation down the road. So in a way, he does a line back with Triple H, but DX is no more. But the all giddy up 
green and black DX singlet that X-Pac, like that is X-Pac if I'm, if I'm picturing him. He's wearing that outfit. I would wear that. I'd 100% wear You would just wear, wear that it. to the bars? Yes, I would absolutely would. High boots up to the bandana. Yes, I'd be all for it. And you would just be drinking White Claw and crotch chopping yeah, just, just different people giving saying a, giving suck Giving a suck it, it sign. I'm exactly. sure it would play really well in 2020. So I actually have an X-Pac story okay. involving that singlet. All right. I, in 2013 or 14, I was asked to be a special guest MC for a Jerry Lynn wrestling retirement card at the Minneapolis Convention Center. So they brought all these old, it was an independent show, and Jerry Lynn was a longtime ECW star. He was in WWF for a while, and, and he's a Minnesota guy. And so it was his retirement match. And I think he's since come out of the retirement because it's wrestling, but he, but he was in his 40s, and it was going to be his farewell match and card. And so Tommy Dreamer was there. Nice. X-Pac was there. All these other guys like Rhino. And I'm missing two or three other guys. But like each match had a top star that you would recognize from the Attitude Era or from some other time in and around there. And uh, so the match that actually initially they were going to have me, it was going to be Rhino against some other guy with a manager, like a scraggly manager. And then I was going to be the ring announcer. And they were going to have... Me do the ring announcing, and then the manager was going to take the microphone away from me and like rip me on the mic, and then I was going to deliver like no a way. punch or something. They were going to have me get physical. Oh, that'd be great, dude! And then at the last minute, they were like, "Actually, like you've never done it before, and we don't trust you." And so you just get in there <laughs> and you do your ring announcing, and then get out of the ring. All right. So, uh, so I did. It was super fun. It was amazing, and I got to sit ringside for this match and got to be involved in kind of like the yeah the outcome and stuff. So later on, X-Pac is wrestling in some sort of hardcore match to wrap it. It's like X-Pac and Jerry Lynn and a couple other guys or something. So X-Pac, I think at one point, um, took the bottom turnbuckle off of... Something happened where like the bottom turnbuckle or the second turnbuckle got taken off. Mm-hmm. And so it was setting up a spot later on where X-Pac was going to like deliver a Bronco Buster, but then missed and hit the steel with like his you know man parts. Yeah. So this spot happens, and X-Pac hits the metal exposed turnbuckle. Mm. And no one really knew anything. Like, he definitely sold it for the next 10 minutes of the match and was clearly in pain or, like, tweaked his back or something. And then after the thing was over, everyone comes out into the ring, and, I, and I'm part of this big group and thanking the crowd and stuff. And X-Pac is, like, visi- visibly shaken and is still in pain, but he's on the microphone and he's thanking Jerry Lynn. So what happened was X-Pac had split open his crack ah, and bled out throughout like oh my god this he had to go to hcmc to get emergency oh, surgery oh to stitch himself god, up dude. he took his singlet off in the back and it was a pool of blood that came dude. out x-pac no. that's right right riding the exposed turnbuckle oh sean waltman poor so sean Wal- I mean, he's in great shape now by the yes. way he had kind of a beer belly and i think was still having some drug issues but like yeah, he's yeah. i think he's clean and he's he's doing good stuff with his well, he's, life, he so. was born in Minneapolis, but I don't really think he resides here. Or doesn't like have I don't know if he has ties no, here. He or lives anything. in like L.A. now or yeah, something. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, so that was kind of the DX theme throughout, <laughs> and and they so they they tease the DX reunion, and then shortly after, Triple H officially turns heel and kind of launches himself into the next uh, iteration of his career. Right. Um, let's get to the championship match: Stone Cold versus The Rock. So oh, yeah. you had Shawn Michaels comes out at the start. Is that what this clip is? Yeah, right yeah. Here? He talks to McMahon. So Shawn great. Michaels is the commissioner. Yep. And Mr. McMahon's plan is he had the Big Show and Mankind wrestle for the right to be the special guest referee in the championship match. And Big Show was part of the corporate stable. 
This is all soap opera stuff. Well, Big Show gets disqualified for like using a chair or something. He he like slammed mankind through a chair or something and got disqualified. And Vince McMahon comes out. He's like, "You idiot! You, you can't get disqualified now. Mankind's going to be the ref for this championship match. Like we were supposed to have our guy as the ref." Big Show turns on Vince McMahon, right? Punches him out, and Vince McMahon gets the idea. All right, screw it. I'll just be the ref, and I'll be the one that screws over Stone Cold in the championship match. And HBK, the commissioner, says, I don't know. Is take that Jack LaLanne physique of yours, get the hell out of here, and don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out. And uh, if you have, like, I don't know, some idea that you or your corporation are going to have anything to do with this main event, you and your corporation, well, I might let you come down, but the corporation is barred from ringside. And if I see just one of their narrow asses breaking <laughs> this sheriff's rules, pal, you and I are going to have a little fight of our own out back. So anytime, anytime you want to try me, you just let me go. But in the meantime, start the stepping and hit the bricks, McMahon. Amazing. And so the match takes place. Shawn Michaels uh, does his thing at the start. They brawled throughout the arena, like in the crowd. It was a great brawl match. The biggest thing in this match, so The Rock winds up... uh, it's just chaos at the end, and The Rock actually, the first referee takes an unprotected chair shot to the head. Yeah. I think it was, was it Mike Kyoto. It was Kyoto. Takes a freaking unprotected chair shot to the head. The Rock then rock bottoms the second ref. Tim White, I think, was the second ref. And so uh, McMahon then comes down to stomp on Stone Cold Steve Austin, and it's just chaos. Stone Cold winds up winning the match. Um what were your thoughts on this match? This was like a, an iconic peak yeah. attitude era match between maybe the two faces of that era. I think it was it's a great main event. Um, yeah, it it starts all over the place. They're in the crowd. They're they're in up the up the tarmac a little bit, but towards the end, the last five ten minutes, it's absolute chaos. You have rock. You have the rock delivering a couple rock bottoms to Stone Cold. Stone Cold gets a stunner in. There's a people's elbow. There's close kickouts. Jr's losing his mind. In fact, when he's doing the call. You can see him in the background holding the little microphone saying, Stone Cold! Stone Cold! I'm going for it again. Rock get him out, Rock! Get him out! Off some oh. of the elbows. Good. Yeah, just, yeah, you're just losing it on the mic. And also, like, I, I was a little disappointed that Michael Cole basically calls 90% of the mania. I'm not a Michael Cole guy. I am not either, and he was not good. No, he's not. Like, he's fine as Michael Cole, and he's fine as SmackDown's guy, but the voice of wrestling is Jim Ross, man. That's that's who it should be. So, Jim, yeah, Jim Ross had suffered through another uh, bout of Bell's palsy in December, and so he was he was sort of recovering for the next two or three months. And just real quick, Michael Cole, on, I didn't catch this until I read our, our friend Mike's notes. Michael Cole on the live broadcast accidentally read a promo and said the new champion, Stone Cold Steve Austin, will be appearing on the Home Shopping Network to push merchandise <sighs> the next day, completely giving away the outcome of the main event. I didn't even catch that. I didn't either. I didn't even catch it until Mike wrote it down either. That's hilarious. But that's hilarious. But yeah, uh, but yeah the main event's great. I mean, it's Rock and Stone Cold in 1999. It, it is a great main event, even though some of these matches on the card are, uh, it, it, you can you can find holes in them. I love the main event, and I would rewatch it a, a lot. 
I would too, just the symbolism of it. And to yeah. watch like all the rockisms. It was funny, the rock kind of missed time getting kicked in the stomach. He missed time the stunner at the end. Yeah. He was all like ready to take the stunner and forgot, like, no, there's a boot to the stomach first. And so he's all like spread eagle in the air. <laughs> but he does, he does sell the hell out of it doing the tip the tip back somersault as he gets done, which is yep. great. Bounces off the rope yeah. or whatever. So super iconic main event. I think WrestleMania 14, that main event was iconic, not because it was a great match, but because it was it was one of the greats of all time, Shawn Michaels, passing the baton to Stone Cold Steve Austin, launching an era. Mm-hmm. And then this was iconic because it was the peak of an era, and you had the two stars of that era yes. and two guys on the Mount Rushmore that were uh, that were doing their thing. What was your least favorite part about WrestleMania 15? I really just did not enjoy the... Undertaker, big boss man, hell yeah. in a cell. Just because, like, all right, it's Undertaker, it's WrestleMania. So we're going to give him boss man, who honestly came into the fold around the same time Taker did, but he's big boss man. Like, he's a gimmick where Taker is, like, an established pro. It's a hell in a cell, which is Taker's specialty, but it's, like, an eight-minute hell in a cell match. Taker gets handcuffed, but outside of that, he basically kicks the crap out of him. And then big boss man gets hung by a noose. That was that was weird. It I forgot about that. I was very uncomfortable watching that. And, like, it took Edge and Christian and Gangrel, like, an uncomfortable amount of time on top of the hell in the cell trying to get the noose in, too. So it was, like, it was a little botched and butchered. It was a sloppy match. Like, it's fine. It's Taker. You knew he was going to win. But I just thought, like, man, you could probably have pegged, like, a Ken Shamrock or someone else in the corporation against Undertaker instead of basically washed up big boss. Yeah, it's another one of those weird things. The Undertaker has so many weird head-scratching WrestleMania matches throughout the 90s where... Like I think in the next one he fights Triple H, so there. So finally yeah. you get a big one, and, and yeah, he fought for titles in the in the couple before this. But like, why is he wrestling Big Boss Man? This is the peak of his career. Like, why is he not wrestling somebody else? Yeah, like, and also like the build up, the promo before. It's like, oh, it started three weeks ago when when the when his the Ministry of Darkness is starting to take over. So it's Ministry of Darkness versus yeah. Corporation, and you had a great. You had a great selling there between Shane and Stephanie and, like, him tormenting Vince McMahon and Vince calling him, like, you son of a bitch! You know, the, the great <laughs> promos of him just belittling Undertaker, peak Vince McMahon. Uh, but I just thought the match itself was like, well, that's a little that's a little lame. You could have done a lot better. So the Ministry of Darkness included, at various points in 1999 and 2000, so the Undertaker and Paul Bear, Bradshaw and Farouk were the bodyguards, yep. Midian and Viscera, and also the brood, yeah, as the you brood. saw at the top of the the cell, Edge, Christian, and Gangrel are all ty- are all part of the uh, the ministry. That was also my least favorite part. It's I think it's pretty widely regarded as the worst Hell in a Cell match of all yeah, time. These are supposed to be like twenty thirty minute bloody awesome matches and contests to settle these big disputes, and it's like. Oh, they just kind of like threw it together at the last minute as a marketing ploy. Yeah, so. the, the 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 biggest. Uh, the biggest takeaway from it was the fact that Big Boss Man gets hung by a newt. Like that was yes. you're like, oh, that's it. It was, was a, it was a shock moment. It was like yeah. a Vince Russo had clearly written this behind the scenes, and exactly it was a shock value moment. Um, also, I, I I think we should because we do have this clip too. The Road Dog coming oh. out. One of the rare like Road Dog. We, you kind of know the cadence for him doing the the tag team champions of the world, and this is a, a, a different one. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, Degeneration X proudly brings to you. Champion of the world, the Road Dog Jesse James, and I represent the New Age. And if you ain't down with me walking back down that aisle with this around my waist, I got two words for you. 
That's amazing. Uh, hey, let me ask you this about because uh, just going back to New Age Outlaws and because Billy Gunn came in as in the hardcore title match. Uh, did you enjoy the hardcore title? The hardcore title was around from 1998 through like 2002, and then they united it with the Intercontinental Championship in 2002. Were you a hardcore title match guy? I was. Uh, in fact, I remember when I was 9 or 10, we got like, you know, the fake little Target WWF championship belts. My brother and I did. And I like scuffed mine up a lot because like my brother and I used to fake wrestle each other. And I just was, I, I treated it like crap. So eventually mine like started to like break down and, and tear off. So I made, a, made mine into a hardcore like replica title. So I was all in on the hardcore matches like at the time. But when I watch them back... They're kind of clunky. Like it's just it 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 worked for the Attitude Era definitely, yeah. and I think like if you were there, you appreciate it. But you look back on it, and it's like the twenty four seven championship. Now it's like this is this doesn't work. It's very it, gimmicky. Yeah, yeah, it just doesn't so work. So I I don't like the twenty four seven stipulation. Like it doesn't do anything for me, and it just seems just dumb and yeah. like even more unrealistic than wrestling already is. So <laughs> like I I'll suspend my my disbelief up to the twenty four seven title thing, but I think they should bring the hardcore title back. Okay. But not put the 24/7 stipulation on it. Just just highlight guys who are badass, right? Mm-hmm. Just guys who guys that you're not going to put in a championship match, but I think you can think about how many characters were built through the hardcore stuff. Right. Mick Foley was the first hardcore champion. His whole career was built through that prism. Hardcore Holly had a run for like 10 more years because of that championship. Correct. It just gives a great place to to put guys. So, and also like the brawl for all winds up culminating with Bart Gunn versus Butterbean, and this was kind of the end of Bart Gunn's career yeah. as a WWE wrestler. They just yep. buried him. Yep. Like, why wouldn't Bart Gunn have just gone into the hardcore title mix? Exactly. Hey, he's a badass. This guy just won a 16-person fight tournament. Now he's fighting for the hardcore title. And instead he gets punched out by a big fat boxer in right. 90 seconds. In a real fight. Yeah, in a real fight, yeah. Which, which like, exposes all the other matches on your card. Absolutely. Um all right. Uh, any other observations from any of these matches that stood out to you before we get to fun facts from listener Mike? A, l- a little sad uh, that it's it's your last Mania appearance of Owen Hart, who who dies just a couple yeah. months later. So I thought that was a little spooky, just watching that. Like, oh man, this is the last of Owen Hart, and he tragically dies on on, on set here in a couple months. So I thought that was a little spooky. But I like that DX though had like each of their individual things. Like you had Bart, you had, you had Billy Gunn in a hardcore match. You had Road Dog an Intercontinental Title match. Triple H um, with against Kane, X Pac, and then basically the whole breakup. So I, it was the end of DX, but I think it was basically a DX WrestleMania, like their last hurrah. And I I really enjoyed that. It was it was more of I, I enjoyed all the weird things that happened outside of the wrestling matches than I did the actual wrestling. Actually, let's do this. Let's do a rank them here. I'm okay. going to give you five wrestling stables, okay, from different eras, yep. and I want you to rank them one through five, okay. Degeneration X, mm-hmm. NWO, The Four Horsemen, Evolution, and The Shield. Oh, okay. So The Shield is last for me just because I that was when I was very tuned out of wrestling. I like all those three dudes individually. I, I, I'm not a big Roman Reigns guy. I should, refra- I should reframe that. He should never be near a microphone. Correct. Uh, the Shield is definitely fifth on that one for me. Um, the four horsemen, I, I need to have higher, but I also just, I didn't really get to experience them a lot. I didn't watch them a lot. So I just don't have a natural connection to them. So even though I respect Art Anderson, Art Anderson and Ric Flair, I like those guys a lot, but they're fourth for me. Cause I just, I didn't really grow up watching them. I would probably put NWO as three, even though I was a humongous WCW guy and I watched that a lot, um, 
it, it was it, it's it's WCW staple, but I I think Evolution, the Randy Orton, the Triple H and Batista, like that was when I had my second win of wrestling, and I I thoroughly enjoyed watching that come up, and then it being disbanded by WrestleMania 21. And DX is number one. Like DX is even though I was WCW all in at that time with their peak. I still knew what DX was, and I still would turn into WWF. Yeah. And what other eight-year-old who was born in the early '90s did not do a "suck it" sign in front of their mom and not get a, get reprimanded? So DX is number one for me on on that list. So I uh, I will go up from five as well. I've got the Shield number five. Shield's good, but it came along after all these other ones. And yep. I've got Evolution number four. I've got Four Horsemen number three, which is tough because that's the first ever legendary stable. Right. But I've got Four Horsemen number three. I've got NWO 2 and DX number 1. NWO is probably the most influential of all of these in that it was the beginning point of a new era, the most popular era of wrestling. Yeah. But I think DX kind of took, like DX took a different street and led the charge for the highest ratings peak in wrestling history. Just all the antics and like you never knew what they were going to do from week to week and they had so many storylines spinning off and... Uh, also, NWO wound up, if you're including the totality of the run, they had like four different iterations, and DX right. only had a couple. I was a big Wolfpack so, guy. I like the Wolfpack. Yeah, I never, I was out by that. I'm like, I don't, yeah. What is all, like, what's the Wolfpack? I don't <laughs> yeah. understand what this yeah. crap is. So, a few fun facts from listener Mike here. The WWF in 1999 is an amazing tale. 16 months prior to WrestleMania 15, the WWF not only lost its top star in Bret Hart, they let him go guns a blazing. Four months after that, its best wrestler in Shawn Michaels suffered a debilitating back injury that was seen as career ending. So you lose your top two guys in that period. And despite this, not only did WWF recover from losing those guys, they thrived behind guys like Stone Cold, The Rock, Mick Foley, Triple H, Undertaker, and Sable. Yes, WCW was in a creative tailspin at this point, but Vince McMahon could not have foreseen just how some of these young performers would step up and create an avalanche of momentum. Also worth noting, WWF The Music Volume 3 CD, which I absolutely owned, would land in the top 10 of the Billboard album charts in early March with artists like Britney Spears, NSYNC, Jay-Z, and Offspring in and around the rankings. The April 99 issue of Playboy had cover girl Sable, which is the fifth highest selling issue of all time of that magazine. Some great articles in that edition, by the way. Oh, yeah. Some great articles. Uh, WWF paid $1.6 million for a Super Bowl commercial that year, which is crazy. And Monday Night Football would move its time slot on ABC up against, up against cable wrestling shows. They would move it back an hour to 9 p.m. Eastern kickoff after the ratings fell a significant portion because of wrestling on Monday nights during the 1998 season. Um, amazing stuff. Also, WrestleMania 15 is different in the sense that wrestling used to be shooting angles and creating soap opera storylines on television with the idea of them paying off when the matches are blown off on pay-per-view. But in 1999, people wanted to see the angles and storylines more than the actual matches. The main event wasn't centered around a grudge match between two wrestlers as much as it was about making Mr. McMahon's character get his comeuppance. It'd be like if the WrestleMania 3 main event between Hogan and Andre was about Bobby Heenan getting his comeuppance or something. Um, and so backstage creative writers Vince Russo and Ed Ferreira gained a lot of McMahon's trust and didn't believe in the importance of titles. And they, they believed more in soap operas and, and generating storylines. So uh, some other notes here real quick from listener Mike. We already read the Michael Cole one here. Also, uh, Shawn Michaels had the surgery in mid-January to fuse discs in his back, and it was believed he'd never wrestle again. 
He briefly did color commentary before being transitioned to the commissioner role. At the time, the then only 33-year-old Shawn Michaels had seven years left on his contract, making nearly $800,000 per year. So Vince McMahon was determined to find some way to keep him on television. Uh, and your favorite band, Voice to Men, sang America yes. the Beautiful. That was this great. Thing off. That was great. Great so, start, man. Uh, both Howard Stern and Monica Lewinsky turned down seven-figure offers to appear on this WrestleMania show. Um, let's see what else here. Oh, Val Venus was going to replace Triple H in DX after this, but that was nixed because at the time, NWO was on its fourth iteration of WCW uh, in WCW, and Vince McMahon didn't want to inadvertently copy it by watering down DX with another iteration. A good, a good move by McMahon. Nope. All right, so here are the definitive Mania rankings right now. WrestleMania 14, 10, and 13 are the top three, followed by WrestleMania 6 and 8. Where do you think this one slots in, Dex? I, I think it's probably 4 or 5, I would say. I, I, don't, I, can't, I don't think I can put it ahead of 13 or 14, and I know 10 obviously is number two, so I, I would yeah. personally put it 4. It's a good Mania. I think 4 um, is right. I think 4 or 5 is probably where it should be. Let's put it 4. It's... The era is at its best right now, and this yes. mania was great. But I think there were some other manias that just had like some better legendary matches up and down, Absolutely. like some Bret Hart matches and some of the other ones. So we'll put it fourth here, consensus. WrestleMania 14, 10, 13, and 15 are the top four for us. And that's a wrap on WrestleMania. Any final thoughts? No, I'm, ex- the I'm excited for WrestleMania 2000. This, uh, I, I think I watched this one live. I think I watched it yeah. live. So I'm, And I've seen bits and pieces before. I know the Fatal 4-Way is the big main event. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to rewatch though, and I the think ladder match, and man. I think we get the TLC match, which I'm going to be absolutely jacked for. We get the, I think it's just it's just the ladder match in this one, if I'm oh, not mistaken. Right. But, okay. but we get it. It's the it's yes. This WrestleMania oh. is going to continue the peak of the Attitude Era. And now WrestleMania 15. Rock off, work again. Rock get him out, rock, get him out. Off some of the elbows. <laughs> He's wild. He's sweet. He'll shred your couch on a whim. Then come crawling back to you, purring happily at your feet. His behavior may be erratic, but he's still the world's best cat, who deserves nothing less than world's best cat litter. The number one natural and sustainable litter brand with no harmful chemicals or silica dust. Trade your clay today. Get world's best cat litter for the world's best cat. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.